basically our our memories are all dirty. You know, they're they're not pure because every time you're remembering it, you're changing it a little bit. And I feel like that's what I'm doing with these pieces. I'm creating these places that are almost like landscapes of the mind. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 165th episode, I'm joined by Karen Crowell, who is a Minnesota artist and painter. Karen is our 2015 Studio Break Competition winner and was selected by Julia Friedman, the director of Exchange Works. And we're very excited to feature her today. And as part of that competition, she'll have a solo exhibition coming up in 2017 at Jan Brandt Gallery. And she currently has on view an exhibition at Artistry at Bloomington Center for the Arts in Bloomington, Minnesota. And we will be announcing our 2016 competition within the next week, so please stay tuned. Uh, of course, if you've never heard of Studio Break podcast before, we just want to give you a little bit more information. Studio Break is a blog and podcast site. We feature a variety of different artists. They come on and they talk about their work. They break it down for you so that I don't have to. And uh, again, you can check out old episodes of Studio Break. Just visit studiobreak.com. You can go through the archives. Again, each of the episodes have images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and uh, these lengthy interviews. So please check them out. Again, they're available in iTunes as well. So please subscribe there. If you'd like to follow Studio Break, again, there's a number of ways. You can like our Facebook page. You can leave comments there. You can follow our Tumblr account, that's studio-break.tumblr. And, of course, you can send tweets and share your art to at Studio Break on Twitter. And with that out of the way, here is our interview with Karen. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Karen Crowell. How are you this morning? I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and it should be worth noting uh, you are our winner from the 2015 Studio Break competition selected by Julia Friedman, the uh, director of Exchange Works. So again, we're very excited to have you on finally. Again, really excited to have your your lovely work uh, on Studio Break. Uh, So again, thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Thank you. So where are we speaking with you today? Uh, You're up in Minnesota? Yes, I'm... uh outside in the west of Minneapolis. Okay. And are you from there originally? Did you grow up there? No, I am not. I was born in Israel, in Haifa, Israel. And when I, my dad is from Argentina and my mom's Israeli. And when I was five, we moved to Mexico and I spent 10 years in Mexico City. And then after that, we moved to Costa Rica, where I finished the last two years of high school in San Jose, Costa Rica. Um, and then I came to the States for college. I went to Brandeis University outside of Boston. And then I moved to New York and I got my MFA at Parsons School of Design. So yes, I am not American and I've moved around quite a bit. Um, and somehow I ended up in Minneapolis. <laughs> wow, that's so exciting. Um, I feel, again, as a, as a Midwesterner nearly forever... I don't know. It seems like such an exciting life um, already. So was that something that was like a big impact in terms of just seeing like just um, how people are, you know, coming from different backgrounds, different cultures, different regions, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And I think partly um, moving from country to country. My dad is from Argentina and my mom's Israeli. We spoke Spanish and Hebrew at home, um, but I went to English speaking schools So I also had three languages that Mm -hmm. I worked with as a kid. And I think all of that really obviously shaped me, but more importantly, has completely influenced my artwork since the beginning. I think that I, I have always been interested in identity, both in, you know, uh, the two aspects of identity, how you see yourself, but also how others see you. Mm -hmm. And because I was always from somewhere else, than where I lived, I always felt that I was a foreigner, um, that I was other, you know, that I had a different, you know, as you know, most people grow up and stay in the same place where their parents were born or, you know, where their extended family is. And that's everywhere around the world. And so 
I always really connected with other people that were like me, that were also foreigners or had moved around a lot. Um, and so I always felt like I was looking at things from the outside and never really felt like I belonged anywhere. And that was just my, you know, my personal feeling. And I think that because of that, I was always trying to uh, explore identity through my work. Like, you know, who am I and what is my connection to places um, or people or myself? And even though my work has, you know, changed throughout the years, that interest has remained constant. Again, it's really interesting to, to think about that, um, especially kind of like moving on to a new location and, you know, thinking about what you identify with as yourself. Um, what kind of things were you interested in, in drawing? I'm, I'm assuming that you had like, just like a bin of just sketchbook after sketchbook that you're going through, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong as you're growing up. Was drawing a, a big thing? Uh, yeah. I mean, art was always very important for me. I would always draw. And um, also my parents are huge art lovers. And one of the big things that we would always do was go to museums together all the time. So I grew up, you know, with the understanding that, I mean, really all the arts are important, but especially visual arts. And um, I would always, I mean, as far as I remember, I would always choose art <laughs> mm -hmm. over music or theater or whatever else was at school. Um, and then when I came to college, I remember sitting with the book and the first classes that I picked were the drawing and painting classes. Like that was a given. And then I was like, okay, I'll do some literature, I'll do chemistry, I'll do, you know, but, and eventually it took me, it took me two years to, to really decide that I was going to major in fine arts because I really felt like I needed to <laughs> do something quote unquote important with my life. And, you know, mm -hmm. at the beginning I thought, oh, I, I should do pre-med or I should do pre-law or, you know, something, you know, real. Um, but I just couldn't avoid it. I mean, I just, you know, I just kept gravitating towards the studio classes. Well, and it just seems to kind of take one, you know, like I, I was planning on dropping out I think, if, of the art like yeah. area after, you know, like my first year. And then I took painting and I'd never used oil paint before. And I just kind of was like, wow, this is, you know, magical stuff. So it's interesting how like one of those kind of experiences might turn something. And I'm curious then too, were you, were you kind of like, painting more objective things versus um, abstract things? Because I know that, you know, some of your work kind of engages both, but, you know, certainly like more of the current work is much more abstract. But I'm kind of curious what some of those things were, especially if you're, I don't know if identity comes up uh, early on, but, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's some kind of content that you're working through at the time. Yeah. And I feel like really I've been making the same work for, I don't know, 20 years, right? It's just kind of evolved. Um, and at the beginning, it was much more at the very beginning when I was in college, it was very abstract. It was all about color and composition. And they were these giant, I used to build these stretchers as big as they could fit into the, you know, in my space mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, completely in love with the abstract expressionists, of course. And I, that's what I was doing, you know, playing around with paint and gesture and color. Um, and eventually it, you know, as I became more, more focused on what I wanted to do, by the time I got into grad school, it was really more about, uh, using memories, using places, sort of, um, connecting to real things in my life mm -hmm. and always teetering between abstraction and narrative. So, you know, figures would show up and then they'd go away or things like that, markers for places. Mm -hmm. And then the work, you know, from maybe 2010 uh, to 2014 or, or so, I was already working on paper on these very large multi-paneled pieces, mm -hmm. but they were much more figurative. So there were actual figures in the work. And also houses, trees, things like that. Um, but also these giant passages of just abstract patterns and shapes. And what happened, which led to this, you know, my latest body of work, is that I, I realized I was 
more interested, I became more interested in the in-between areas, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what was going on in between the figures, um, or the, you know, the more representational bits. And so I started, so I thought, okay, how can I try to investigate what I'm interested in, which is this idea of identity and memory and how do I represent myself or represent places that I've been in? How can I express that by only using the abstract vocabulary? You know, how, how is that even, you know, how can I erase the, the figures and erase the markers and make it still something that was viable for me? Um, and that's how this the series that I just, you know, it just finished. <laughs> um, it was it, uh, two and a half years it took me to, to make this, and I made uh, 10 pieces altogether. And each piece is five feet by eight feet, and it's all watercolor. Each piece is made up of eight sheets of paper um, arranged in a rectangular grid. And for each one, I tried to access a specific memory from childhood that connected with a feeling of belonging or a feeling of home. And so that was my, that was my way of, you know, kind of getting in there. So I was going to ask you though, like in terms of a process, do you wind up then if you're working from memory, just working spontaneously, like intuitively, or is it something where you'll do like a lot of sketches and kind of combine things? How planned out are these? Right. So I, I don't sketch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have a sketchbook, but it, I use it. I've been using it for the past years, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> I haven't really sketched. I just use it to record um, the color combinations I'm using or uh, the books that I'm reading at the time, uh, thoughts I'm having, you know, articles that I'm reading, that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that goes into the work in some way. And it's almost just like a personal journal because there's really, there's no way for anybody else to know. I mean, it's not coming out in the work, obviously, right? It's just Mm -hmm. really for me, it's my personal feeder that I channel into making these. It's not planned and it's very intuitive and organic, but at the same time, I do think about, um, you know, a color or a form or a feeling that I want to work with for each specific piece. That makes sense. So I have the big blue one, you know, it's really thinking about the sea and how, when I was a, when I was a little kid, my bedroom window faced the sea, the Mediterranean. And I used to you know, just sit by the window and look at the sea all the time. And I always felt like, you know, my feelings were reflected in the water. <laughs> um, and uh, so looking at all the, you know, the different um, blues and the lights on the water and the depth of the water. So that that kind of all came together when I made this. Uh, there's one that's titled Cloud Violet. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was that memory of of the sea as as a home, as some, something that's always there that you can go back to. Um, but it's completely, I mean, yeah, I just feel like it's my personal reference and it's not, it's completely unnecessary in order to, to look at the work. Sure. Yeah. But I think also like, you know, when I think about water, especially it sounds super weird. It's like a couple of years ago that I just would start, I think it's because I had like such a ridiculous zoom on my camera. I would start like zooming in on waves or anything that is kind of like making some kind of movement. Uh-huh. And so to kind of think about that in relationship to some of the mark making that you, that you do again, I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of elicit something like that to kind of, you know, use to make it. And it's, it's just strange too. Cause like sometimes the most banal or at least what seem like banal things that you can observe wind up, I don't know, really sticking in your, in your head, you know, as a memory. Right. And so, I don't know, it seems like an interesting place to work from. And I think a lot of artists, you know, would probably feel uh, right, right at home thinking about that in relationship to these. How, how much time would you say, but how much time do you think you would typically work on one of these? And are, are you working on them as like individual pieces? Um, and then you like put it back together. How does that, that process of like editing or working through one of these larger pieces work? Honestly, the first piece, the very first one of the series, which I didn't know was would become a series, just started with one sheet of paper, a 22 by 30, you know, arches watercolor paper. Mm-hmm. I had I had just finished 
prior to this. So this was 2013. But I had just finished this really large body of work that had all these figurative elements in it. And I was emotionally exhausted. And I wanted to, you know, go back in the work, but just looking at the abstract part and had nothing in mind. I I just thought, you know, I'm kind of stuck. I just finished this thing. I had a show. um, And I just thought, you know, let's just play around with color and shape. Um, And so I started playing and I felt, you know, and I had the one sheet of paper tacked on my wall and I felt, okay, this really needs to grow. And it ended up being eight sheets of paper. And somehow it just felt like it had a nice connection with my body, you know, it was bigger than myself, but I could still reach all the corners. And I felt that sense of immersion in the work. And I think it just goes back to, again, the fact that I, you know, I'm in love with the abstract expressionists and the color field painters. And, you know, I always enjoyed having that feeling where you can feel like you're physically inside the work. And, uh, okay. So I, so that's how the first one started. And then I thought, okay, well, let's see if I can make another one, you know, how, how many of these can I make and still be interested in them and make them interesting and different and engaging. And so I just, you know, I just kept going. And with each one, I discovered different things. So even though the imagery is very similar, so I'm making these little geometric shapes that are very similar throughout all of the series, the colors are different, the patterns are different, the way they overlap to create depth is different. Um, there's a lot of rhythm in them and, um, I'm playing around it's watercolor. So I'm playing around with the fluidity of the watercolor with making it really thin, making it, uh, really tight and thick, almost like gouache, you know, and I'm just, just playing really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting to think too, like, do you wind up then using just mostly watercolor as, as your medium? Cause again, it seems like sometimes I talk to artists that have all these different materials that they're like including. And I, I don't know. I, I tend to like stick with the one thing that I can use. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I have been using watercolor exclusively for 14 years. I never, you know, I still have all my oil stuff mm-hmm. and I have other stuff and I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't, I may go back to different things, but it's, this has just been watercolor. Um, and I feel like I'm still just learning how to use it in a way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think that's interesting. And I, you know, I'm reminded some other artists that, that have said the same thing that I've talked to just in terms of, um, that practice, like where they're almost relearning to paint every time that they, they sit down or, you know, stand at the easel, whatever, stand at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just worked really well with my life and you know it's it's fast it dries fast i can work in layers it you know it's not toxic it doesn't smell i can work anywhere you know there were a lot of reasons why it just worked um even though at the beginning that you know those weren't the reasons for working with watercolor it was because i really liked it it works on so many levels for me yeah it's like artists kind of like learn this uh, process of like editing you know like their their own editing um and so it may, as you're talking about it, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, obviously you can lay in really light stuff and just slowly build up over the top of it. And so just to hear you talk about it, it makes a lot of sense to, to choose it as a material too, because you can have a lot of control with all of those layers. It seems like layering is really, really important to that editing process. Yeah. And I, I found, you know, since I am working with memories and thinking about how memories shape identity or how memories shape places. I found that the working with watercolor was really, I mean, first of all, it's very immediate and, um, kind of unmediated, you know, like you can really see my hand in the work, which I love. Cause I feel like, like, it just feels very personal mm-hmm. when you're looking at it, you know, it's, it, you can, like, you can see the, you know, the lines are not straight, you know, the, the watercolor really responds to the pressure of the hand. You know, if you push too much, it looks differently than if you're doing it lightly, more water, less water, but it's really responsive and kind of immediate. And also with the layering and and thinking of memory and how memory is layered. And every time you remember a memory, you're remembering it on top of a previous remembrance of that memory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you're, you know, you're kind of building 
basically our our memories are all dirty you know they're they're not pure because every time you're remembering it you're changing it a little bit and i feel like that's what i'm doing with these pieces i'm creating these places that are almost like landscapes of the mind right and they're made up of all these fragments of shapes that are repeated and layered and multiplied and even though each little line and shape is is really tiny and fragile, they become these massive physical dense forms that really resonate with the with the theme you know with of you know building identity or or places of identity or you know how everything is made up of of just fragments and ephemeral impressions and yet in the mind they become real and heavy if that makes sense and i found that the medium really you know i feel like it really connects to that so working with watercolor which is really fragile and watery and almost not there but when you build it up it really has this presence and it's, and also you know the size of them they're really large and so they're definitely, you know, they're physical, they're almost these physical maps of places, if that makes sense. No, I think it does. And, you know, I'm sure people say like neuropathways and that kind of stuff, like all the time. But like, I like that as also like a metaphor for thinking about the work and for thinking about the larger world. I think one of the things that's really difficult about artwork sometimes is when it's so finite in what it's supposed to be. Right. And, and I really like that openness because, you know, even though it, it sounds like, I don't know, maybe there's conceptual artists that, that are going to want something different. I don't know. I'm fascinated by that, you know, because, you know, the more that that you even just kind of look at like modern science uh, mm-hmm. where they're talking about like the, the galaxy developing, I think it kind of relates because they're, you know, looking at these really small parts and how they relate to the whole. And I think that really kind of. I don't know. It's hard to not think about that when you're talking about these these things and bring them up, you know, as like a thematic idea for a show for people to kind of think about their own their own histories or their own pathways or landscapes or whatever. And I'm going to let you talk a bit. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do look at those a lot. So when I was thinking about these ideas of memory and where does memory memory come from, I was researching all these um, brain scans and uh, images of neurotransmitters and the uh, pathways that connect, you know, retrieve memories or connect memories. And definitely it, it goes into the work. I mean, in my studio, I have things I've taken out of Scientific American and National Geographic and, you know, like, and it just looks like, <laughs> it kind of looks like what I'm doing. <laughs> um, you know, I think that also the that rhythmic pulsating quality, that's straight from, from that, from looking at how all these uh, pathways are connected um, and, and are alive, right? And how things are are changing and moving and breathing all the time. Nothing is static. Well, even though it might appear like it was, you know, which is one thing that makes it so exciting too, you know, like, like I, even the galaxy again, slowly expanding. Right. So there's always like this process of, I don't know, movement going on. I feel like, again, I'm just. No. Yeah, absolutely. That all I, I, I think about all that stuff. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, that I respond to too is, is the, you know, just the idea of being enveloped in something that's of that scale, mm-hmm. you know, like you were talking about, you know, being, um, you know, really influenced by abstract expressionism. One of the things that I think of is everything is really large right. and again, being kind of immersed in that field. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense too, because then you also start to lose maybe like a sense of what these things are. I don't know if that makes sense. Like you, you don't have a framework of what's around it. You only have this thing that you're looking at and seeing seeing and interacting with. So again, that's very exciting to me. Yeah. And and I do think, I mean, what I take from that is not necessarily the gestural part, Mm -hmm. uh, but really the monumental size. Also that, you know, that feeling of the floating, uh, floating areas of color, Mm -hmm. you know, like, in Rothko or whatever. And I think somehow that came to influence the fact that my imagery is also sort of floating on the empty space. You know, there are these large masses and they're hovering really. And I don't know if that's going to change. 
Um, but that's what they are right now. Well, and I'm, I'm curious then too, cause we were talking a little bit about, you know, brain scans and all the things that you're looking at, maybe like from a, I guess like a science, uh, <laughs> kind uh-huh. of intervention. Um, do you take photographs? Do you, um, hike and look at nature? I mean, are there, are there other things that kind of influence that as well? Yes. So there's the science stuff from the magazines. There's, you know, just walking around, obviously living in Minnesota, our winters are very long and frozen. Um, and I have a dog that needs to be walked every day. So every day I'm outside and I'm looking at things and all these patterns Uh, clusters of leaves and bushes and in the winter the crystals on the snow or crystals on the branches of the trees all those things I've realized come into the work there's one there's one piece I have a gray piece called um gray matter and that was you know literally I I had been walking the dog outside and noticed all these crystallized formations on snow and I thought they were amazing and so, you know, it kind of directly went into the work and it's this, you know, bluish, grayish crystals that are almost multiplying on top of the form. Yeah, nature does have a big, it has a big part of, you know, my daily life. So it goes in there. And, and just because I want to make sure that I'm, that I, that I have a better understanding of the process too then. So if you're working in the studio on one of these, are you working on like one individually for a little bit of time and then you put it back up into that configuration or is that always changing or? Yeah. So I work standing up on the wall with these pieces that were multi, that had many pieces of paper. As I begin each piece, each individual sheet of paper does get rotated and moved around until I commit to an image. And then once I commit, I kind of, you know, the configuration stays as it is. Um, but there still is some twisting and rotating as I'm working it on it until the end. And is there like a lot of looking? I know like some artists will spend, seems like days making a decision. Some artists will just be really immediate and just keep kind of layering and layering or, you know what I mean? Can you yeah. Keep editing. What kind of uh, artist are you, I guess, in that sense? <laughs> I've set myself up where I only work with teeny, teeny, teeny brushes <laughs> And the reason for that is because I realized I was working too fast and I needed to forcibly slow myself down. And so I have these ridiculously tiny brushes um, so I can only work so much. So I typically work, you know, I mean, if I'm lucky, then sometimes I get six hours at a time. Usually it's more like three at a time. And I work on a certain area or with a certain color. And then, and I keep walking back from the wall because I can't see anything. Um, because the brushes are so teeny, I have to stand really close and then I have to step back to really see what I'm doing. So there's a, a constant back and forth. But when I'm, when I'm working on something, I can't see how it relates necessarily to everything else and, until I step back. Uh, but it is a very sort of meticulous, slow, cumulative process on purpose. You know, because I found that that time that it takes me to, to, to make the thing becomes part of the thing. And there's something about the really, the fact that each line is really, really teeny, (laughs) but then the entire thing is so huge. There's something about that contrast that really excites me that you can walk up to the piece and really appreciate all the details and, and you can, you know, when you're standing right in front of you, you can see that it's made with tiny, tiny lines, you know, and tiny little shapes. Um, but then when you step back, you can, you know, it's really massive and heavy. And I love that. And I think that really connects to um, my love for craft and, and, you know, traditional crafts like textiles and tiles, especially, you know, growing up in Mexico City, I was surrounded by, you know, this amazing wealth of traditional uh, crafts, right? In terms of, you know, really rich, saturated color and very specific shapes and images. And I, I, I really have a, you know, a love for that. And, and, and beauty, you know, for me, beauty, I think is really tied into craft as well. You know, when I see something that's well-made, I really find it beautiful. And so I think that is something else that goes into the work, this uh, understanding I guess for me that something that 
takes a really long time to make and is very meticulous becomes beautiful. Does that make sense? No, I think it totally makes sense. Um, Almost like like sewing, I guess, or which I don't know how to do. (laughs) But But would you say it's kind of like meditative for you? Because, again, I I know for myself there's times where I feel like I'm in a zone and then there's times where I feel like I'm – like just putting in the work, but it seems too like with, with the way that you're, you know, like you had had said, like even almost remembering over, over other memories, it seems like that pro that process of would kind of elicit more of that kind of reflection or I don't know, maybe, maybe it's silent in your studio when you're working. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. And and that's why I think I needed to, I realized that I needed to forcibly slow down. So it, you know, it takes me, X amount of time to do something, no matter what, you know, I can't, I can't skip steps. And I, I realized that was really important just being with the work and moving really slowly. Yeah. It does connect to memory to identity. Yeah. All that stuff. And thinking about this in the context of your other work. So, so these are the, the most recent pieces, um, chart of memories. Again, this is what you're exhibiting right now. That's right. So right now I have a show at the Bloomington Center for the Arts. It's in Bloomington, Minnesota. It's a little, you know, it's south of Minneapolis. And I, I was super lucky to, um, to have this to work towards. I knew about this exhibit two years ago. So when I started the large pieces, I immediately thought, okay, this is what, you know, I have something to work towards. I'm showing seven big pieces in there. The entire series is 10 at this point. So most of them are up and it's been really interesting to see them next to one another and how they interact and how they're similar, but, but also really different from one another. It's been, it's been a really good experience. You know, sometimes you can't, (laughs) you can't really see until you see it. And somehow all of them being together and outside of my studio has allowed me to to really take a look at this series as a whole and decide where, where I want to go next. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear you say, say this. Cause I, I feel like there's times where you're so focused that you really don't ever get to see it until it's, until it's in that space. And especially to think about the way that they interact again, you know, like, like I was just saying earlier, I, you know, recently interviewed Jamie Hart and he makes very small things. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we kind of were talking about was the way that they kind of interact with some of the other pieces. And so again, when you're making something that's so meticulous and imagine so labor intensive, it's kind of a, maybe a, a different thing. Cause you can't immediately get that conversation with these other pieces, but I'm, I'm curious then, do they, do they tell you something in terms of like, how you might kind of like start, I don't know, changing it or altering it for a new body of work. Has it been like an experience where you're, where you're thinking about new ideas or is this something where you want to kind of continue this or turn it into a new direction or. Yeah. So I think this was the end of something and I didn't realize it until I, I set up the show, to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) I hung the show and it took me, you know, it took me about a week to hang it. Each piece takes a while. I have to measure you know, I measure the wall and then I put screws in and then each piece of paper is held by magnets. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything needs to be measured just right. <laughs> but once I had all of them up, I really felt like, okay, I've done what, what I could with this, this way of expressing this idea and we need to move on now. And uh, what I started doing, which is just at the very, very beginning of the process, but I started cutting into the paper and I'll send you, I have one image of what I've been working on, but I'm still working with the same imagery. It's the same, you know, little geometric, tiny little shapes, but now I'm cutting into the paper. So almost drawing with a knife and layering the paper. So I'm trying to create the same feeling of detail and density and depth that I was making in the watercolor pieces, but this time by using the paper itself. And I don't, I don't know where it's going and it may change or it may, it may be, I mean, at this point they're just, it's just paper. It's not even painted. And I was thinking of moving, you know, trying to experiment moving away from the wall with, you know, and what would that look like and how would I install it? Um, I don't know, but that's, that's what I'm thinking would be the next, the next couple of years. Yeah, it's it's interesting because again, there's there's kind of like negative space that'll pop up in some of your work where there's, you know, maybe like um, just that white paper behind, you know, like an area where there's all these kind of layers. So, 
it kind of makes sense to me, but that negative space aspect to it really kind of presents something too, especially if there's all that contrast in it. But again, you might paint over it. I, you know, again, I have a different idea in my head of maybe what it looks like, but I think that that presents a lot of interesting um, avenues to explore. Yeah. And, and especially like from a craft perspective, that's interesting because I, I definitely know artists that have kind of, kind of created an abstract language and then they've explored it in different ways or more three-dimensional ways. But the one thing that, that strikes me then too, with your, with your craft is that I would imagine it'd have to be very controlled and tight. So that's really an interesting variable to have in there because I, again, I know a lot of artists that don't require that at all. So it may, might be a little bit easier in some ways to kind of, I don't know, shellac stuff together as opposed to like figure out a way to meticulously like cut into these images or full, I don't know. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is about the time. Somehow I feel like time needs to be an element of the pieces Mm -hmm. and I'm forcing myself to spend a lot of time on each one by, you know, doing things that require a lot of time (laughs) on purpose. Like even now with the cutting, you know, I'm using a little exacto knife to Mm -hmm. cut teeny shapes out of paper. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. There's some, something that I I just don't know what it is yet, but almost, it's almost like I'm marking time or capturing time. And again, that goes into the idea of memories and building identity over time, you know, or connecting the present to the past through the work. There's something about that that's really important. I just, you know, I probably don't know how to say it right, but how do you explore that with um, with an openness? I mean, are you literally like setting up different processes for different like templates almost or, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of trial and error. So it, we're kind of catching you in a really interesting time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no templates, but it's, I think it's just like with the watercolor. I, you know, I hope for accidents and I want to have, you know, things that I need to figure out. And it's the same with the with the cutting. I mean, I'm just kind of freehanding it. There's, I think, sometimes a difference of, like, the reflection that you have, like, when you're in a body of work and you can kind of look at it and go, like, okay, this works. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just a really interesting place to be. I just finished wrapping um, 46 of these little landscape paintings before uh-huh. I started another body of work, so I felt lost for a bit. So I'm just trying to kind of get a foothold. Uh, I feel like I'm getting a foothold myself. So I'm interested in that that process. It's just an interesting thing to kind of evaluate, like, you know, what you like or, you know, I've been making eight foot pieces. Are they going to be small or, you know, like how, how you decide to do that or what you do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know there's something for me that with the size that really resonates. Mm-hmm. So it needs, I, I, I just relate to it better. And that, so I do know that I, I will probably continue to work with sort of a larger scale, mm-hmm. maybe even larger than these charted memories, which were five by eight feet. Maybe I need to go even larger. Maybe it needs to be something that's hanging from the ceiling all the way down. I don't know. So I have two walls in my studio. And for the past few years, you know, on one wall, I would always have the one large piece I was working on. Mm-hmm. And the second wall has always been teeny, teeny things. And I have tons of them. I mean, I, I just have little bits, small pieces of paper that I continually, you know, kind of work on in sequences, you know, like repeating a shape over and over again, repeating colors, repeating combinations, you know, perhaps those are more of my sketchbook, I suppose, Mm -hmm. you know, I almost use them as a, just to keep going. And every time, you know, especially transitions, (laughs) all of a sudden they become really prominent because I think I'm just trying to work out stuff that I don't, you know, when I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, just to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And they always end up informing whatever I'm working on. So I, you know, I make, you know, like 20 of these little ones, one after the other. And then all of a sudden I realize something and then it goes into the work. And I'm guessing this is, this is what will happen with the new stuff too. I have all these little ones that I just keep, I just keep at them and, you know, eventually something opens up. Is it strange to be like cutting into work for you or is that something that... Uh, no, because this is new stuff. So I'm not cutting into previous work, you know, I'm just cutting into fresh paper. Okay. So okay. yes, but I probably would not be defiling <laughs> something else. 
there's probably artists that wouldn't think twice about that. I would hate to alter something like that myself. So it's interesting. As we were kind of talking about before this interview, I think artists have like so much anxiety um, about what they're doing. And I guess in a way, kind of being in the studio is working through that. Mm-hmm. Well, so is there anything that we kind of haven't addressed or talked about? You know, literature is also a big influence on me. I'm a huge reader. And with this group of works, I actually went back to rereading Invisible Cities by mm-hmm. Calvino and also some of Borges' short stories that have to do with, you know, the mind, memory, imaginary places, labyrinths, all that stuff. And and I think really literature is a huge influence on me. I actually, I started, um, especially with this series, since I, you know, I needed to spend all of my possible time in the studio, I realized at some point that I, I wasn't reading. So I started listening to books on tape. So I'm getting all my books, but I'm listening to them as I'm working, mm-hmm. which has been fantastic. And also those, um, that New Yorker podcast, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, they read, they get, they get one writer to read a short story by a different writer and then they talk about it. That sounds very cool. It's from, uh, the New Yorker, the New Yorker podcast. Uh, so, um, so I think really literature, there's definitely, you know, the, this, I do have an interest in multi-layered stories that become other stories, um, you know, things that are fantastical and impossible and <laughs> that makes sense. No, um, I, th- I think it makes sense. Yeah. Like even thinking about invisible cities, you know, how you have this narrator who's, uh, describing these places that are fantastical and obviously not real. Right. And I, and on some level, I feel like that's what I did with this series. Right. I, rec- I created almost places based on memories. Right. Um, so they're completely not real and completely fantastical. And yet they seem really detailed and dense and present. You know, they don't feel like like fragment, like ephemeral worlds, right? They feel like they're really chunky, mm-hmm. really, um, and weighty, even though it's watercolor, even though it's on paper. It makes me think of like the way that like, if you're reading like a novel or something, you start to kind of like fill in details, which again, might be different than like a scholarly kind of writing. Mm-hmm. But I think those same kind of things are, are, are present, you know, when somebody's like describing you know, this, this particular space or this idea, you know, your head starts to kind of, again, get launched with all these maybe ideas, visuals. Um, and I think that's probably why, <laughs> why we're visual artists in that sense. I think that especially makes sense as like a, like priming for like a painting, mm-hmm. you know, to imagine what this world would look like and to alter it, you know, and again, like, like I was saying at the very beginning, try to understand somebody's process or, or way of thinking. It makes total sense to me because um, you might change the way that you th- envision this place. So that might be another layer or I don't know, that, that could definitely like contribute to the way that these things are adjusted and manipulated. But I th- again, I think that's a really interesting idea. And I really like the way that it relates to the way you think about your work and, and the way that it's seen. Yeah, and something else, I don't know if we've talked about it, but I really think for me, I'm really a studio artist, so mm-hmm. the work comes out of the work, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely for my for myself. Right, so it's all about just being in the studio and showing up um, as much as possible and just plowing through it and hoping for those moments of flow. <laughs> but really just about process, you know, the work comes out of the work, what you did yesterday informs what you did today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of play too, you know, just really playing with color and playing with composition and, you know, just the joy of yeah, the materials. And, you know, that's very important to me at the end of the day. I'm just, I feel like I'm super lucky that I found something that I really love to do. And every time I'm lucky enough to be in the studio, I feel like, Like time is, it, it's like a different, you know, first of all, time goes amazingly fast when I'm working. Mm-hmm. I always have to set my alarm and, you know, if I have to, you know, go to work or whatever, because it just, I get completely pulled into it, into that world of, of making things. 
so I, I mean, I, I love it. And I think that's a huge part of it, you know, that love or joy of making things for me, you know, and, and the process just, just working. There's a Philip Guston quote, which I'm probably not going to quote right, but um, that he says at the beginning, when you're in your studio, everybody's in there with you, you know, your family, your art teachers, the art world, um, and eventually everybody leaves. And ideally, eventually you leave as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's, that's where you want to be, you know, we're in that place where you're not really consciously thinking, you know, at least for me, for the way I work, right? Like not this hyper judgmental, mm-hmm. yeah, but just in the flow of things. So that's, you know, that's what I, I guess I'm I'm striving for. Like we were talking about earlier, I think it helps like to be able to kind of come up with like a balance, you know, like this is a way to keep things in perspective, you know, or, or balanced so that, you know, you're putting in the work in the studio to make these pieces so that you can get it out there. Right. And again, it kind of helps helps you from self-sabotage and, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, like, again, I, I think it's like as silly as it sounds, like even like I was joking about with this podcast being therapy. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think the studio is, it's like working something out and um, to kind of gain a record of it is just a really interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's really, it's, it's fun to hear you kind of describe that. And again, just to, to see that there's like some kind of a uh, uh, shared desire to kind of work through it with other people too, you know? Right. And I know not everybody works that way, right? I mean, some people are much more conceptual or they have an idea that Mm -hmm. they start with and then it's about creating that idea or building it. For me, it really is, it's almost like the ideas come later, right? Or obviously there are things that I'm thinking about, but the, you know, at its most basic, it's just, it's just process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just working in the studio. Excellent. As, as we're kind of wrapping up, why don't you uh, just let us know where we can see your work? What's coming up? I'm actually going to be in your area in September in Bloomington, Illinois, at the Brand Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's thank you to you for the Studio Break um, competition. That's going to be September, October 2017. And before then, I have I'm going to be at Art Prize this year which is in September of 2016. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Okay, so you should totally check it out. It's called Art Prize. It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it's a competition. It's open to anyone. Um, They do it once a year. I did it last year as well. Um, But this year I actually got into one of the galleries, which is kind of cool. And it's just a giant competition. And and I think it it just started as more of a regional thing. And it's become larger and larger every year. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have real um, people, real people from the art world <laughs> that come to look around and judge it. So I think it, you know, potentially could be, I mean, could be good exposure. Oh, sure. And then I have two shows this year uh, here locally. One is at Augsburg College in Minneapolis. That's in November. And one is at Bethel University in St. Paul in March. And it's, you know, part of the Twin Cities University um, conglomerate. So, so those will be exciting. Yeah. You know, like I said, I started something new. We'll see where, where, where it develops. If it, you know, I don't know how long it would take me to, to make something that that's actually substantial, but, but it's exciting. Transitions are exciting. They're always good. Yeah, it's again. It's just an interesting place to be. Uh, so busy, you know. Because again, it's it's nice. You probably don't have time to <laughs> to worry too much. You just got to make. <laughs> yes, and I think it really comes back to you know that two three years ago when I really started applying to a lot of things, um, and so I have so many more opportunities lined up, which uh, you know in a way makes it easier because I have to keep working because I know okay I have you know this show coming up another show coming up. Obviously, I don't want to repeat work, so it just gives me another impetus to, you know, make sure I'm in the studio and trying to come up with stuff. Excellent. It sounds like a great place to be. So, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, it's Thank great you. to have you on. It's a pleasure. It's always such a pleasure to talk about my work. 
thanks again to Karen for joining me. And please go check out her website, KarenKrowell.com. Again, images as well as show information. You can see her current exhibition, Pathways and Implements, at Artistry at Bloomington Center for the Arts in Bloomington, Minnesota. Again, that runs through August 19th. You'll see a whole bunch of other shows and exhibitions listed there. So go check out KarenKrowell.com. Once again, Karen was selected as our 2015 Studio Break competition winner, and we will shortly be announcing our 2016 competition. Again, that will be open to professional and student artists. So if you'd like to be on Studio Break and maybe get hooked up with an interesting opportunity, uh, please be sure to apply. We will be sharing that announcement in a number of different social media platforms, so please like our Facebook page. You can easily stay up to date by doing that, so just go to Facebook, look for Studio Break, and like it. You can, of course, uh, follow us on Tumblr, that's studio-break.tumblr, and, of course, you can tweet us at Studio Break. And in case this interview uh, ensnares a new listener or two, we do want to encourage you to visit the archives of Studio Break. Again, we've got tons of interviews. Each of them have images of artwork as well as links to the artist's website so you can find out more information. Again, you can listen right in the default player or just follow that links to the iTunes store. You can subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode that way or easily scroll back through episodes that you miss that way as well. And if you happen to like uh, Studio Break, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review in iTunes. Again, it just helps others find this podcast from around the world. You can also help out, of course, by spreading the word about Studio Break, uh, sharing posts and podcasts that you like, so please do that as well. Quick thanks to Skylar Mail for providing the music to Studio Break. You can check out his artwork at SkylarMail.com. If you'd like to see some of my paintings, go visit DavidLinaway.com. And once again, it's always great hearing from people, so please follow our Facebook page, like it, and say hello there. You can follow our Tumblr account, that's studio-break.tumblr. And last but not least, uh, send us some tweets to at Studio Break on Twitter. Say hello. And uh, with that out of the way, that's our episode for this week. We'll talk to you real soon.